Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you, if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John o. White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Lane Kuoka, all the way from Honolulu in Hawaii, bit jealous. Uh, Lane is uh, the podcaster, host of the podcast, simplepassivecashflow.com. Welcome to my podcast, Lane. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you do, Lane. Yeah, so today at simplepassivecashflow.com, we bring in and educate investors and with our group, we've bought over 7,700 rental properties, a billion dollars of assets um, all throughout the United States. Wow. <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Uh, congratulations. Uh, I love hearing people's stories. I know it's always a, a joy for listeners too. So I'd love to know what are some of those moments, even as far back as childhood, you know, you look back, what are some of those moments that really shaped you becoming the person you are today? Yeah, so, you know, growing up, I'm not going to say we're broke or anything like that, but, you know, kind of your average middle-class family. We, we were taught to, you know, be frugal with our money. We go to restaurants, you know, we don't order soft drinks because that costs money. We get, we get water. Um, taught to be very frugal with our money and, you know, good savers. Very, very early on, I was taught to, you know, when I had my first job at, I think I was like 14 or 15, I you know, saved a couple thousand of it to put to a retirement account back then. Um, that's the way I kind of grew up. Um, and I, I call it the linear path. A lot of people kind of grew up on this path where you, you know, you're taught to be a good little boy and girl and go to school, you study hard, go to college and you get a degree in you. And you work at that job for 40, 50 years and you need to buy a house, you have some family. Um, partly along that way, I, I bought a rental property right out of college and I just started to rent it out. And I realized, wow, I rent it out. I have this passive cash flow stream and I am exponentially growing my net worth to a point where I don't have to work at this day job I don't like anymore. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. So when did you, because when you grow up like that, like so many of us do, there must've been some resistance in you to making that transition. Do you remember when you really first uh, experienced or stepped out into this different way of thinking about money and about finances rather than the 40 to 50 years in a career, safe retirement, work hard, be a good you know, be a good boy, sort of. When when was that first stretch, or where you where you made a step in that other direction? Yeah, so I, I bought that first rental property, and I was making you know positive cash flow, and my tenant was paying down my mortgage for me. Um, I re realized it very early on. Wow, I was making you know twenty to thirty percent returns on my money when you include all the ways you make money with residential real estate. 
tax benefits, mortgage pay down, appreciation, and cash flow. And I realized, like I was looking over at my stock market stuff that every that everybody says you're supposed to be doing, and I was like, well, maybe making single digits, high single digits, maybe. And you know, I just at that time, I I just kept doing both, right? I bought a couple more units, and then at that point, this was probably several years into the rental real estate game, I just started to realize like. Why am I putting my money into this? You know, here in America we have that four hundred one k, or you know, every country has that retirement plan where supposedly it's growing tax free, but you start to find other people doing this type of investing, whether you call it right pill or red pill investing, or you know, more enlightened type of investing, non for the masses. And you start to realize that the wealthy do things very differently in this fashion, and at that point. You know, I didn't see really any logical reason why to stay in these mutual funds and these, you know, four hundred one k retirement plans. I pulled the plug on that and I mm. put it all into my residential uh, real estate portfolio. Kind of that was when I kind of never looked back. Yeah, that's that's so cool. I love that. Um, I love that you've been through that yourself. You're walking the talk, and now you're helping other people uh, to do the same thing. Knowing that some of our listeners are, you know, may have never, may have never even heard of, uh, you know, investing in in rental properties. Maybe it's something they've never considered. What would be sort of your ultimate? Obviously, people, we're, we're going to explain where people can find you a little bit later on, so they can go and really dig in deep into everything you do, Lane. But as a for a starter, someone who's just never been exposed to this before, can you just unpack the the basics of how you think about um, money, finances, and, and um, uh, you know, the core ideas of what you do? Yeah, I mean, at the at the grassroots level, you know, you, you're buying, the idea is to buy properties that cash flow on a positive basis. And doing that, you know, you start with the property first. Property has to cash flow. And one of the ways we ensure that is we don't buy properties unless it meets a 1% rent-to-value ratio metric. So how do you find the rent to value ratio? Well, you take the monthly rents divided by the purchase price. So say you know you're buying a property that is two hundred thousand dollars. You're gonna need to have that property rent for more than two thousand dollars a month. Many places, you know, across the country or different countries, you know, that two hundred thousand dollar property may rent for a thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars. That's well below that one percent threshold of two thousand dollars a month. Um, most what most people realize is their place that they live in, even though it might be a nice place to live in, good schools in the area, are not good places for rental properties. And many times, the cases you know they should invest out of their own backyard in a different state or possibly even a different country uh, where you can find yeah. those properties there at one percent or higher so for those like me who are um heard one percent but are still trying to crunch numbers in their head so can you just so can you just explain again how you how you work that out so if i'm looking at a property uh i mean i'm in brisbane in australia so i, I go and and uh and have a look at a property what what are the numbers i'm looking for and, and what do i need to calculate to work out whether it's a fit Right, right. So monthly rents divided by the purchase price. So what's what sort of an, an average house that's out there? 
Yeah, no, that's a good question. We can do this as a so. Yeah, um, the the house prices house prices here in Australia, particularly where I am in Brisbane, are skyrocketing. Um, so your sort of average suburban um, house house price, say outside of the city, I'm sort of in close to the city, would be these days I'd have to say would probably be uh, seven or eight hundred thousand um, dollars. If if you push out a bit further in the suburbs. Um, and monthly rent uh, for for one of those sort of houses, say it was seven hundred thousand um, dollars, and then I'd be guessing maybe monthly rent would be um, would be five hundred a week would be maybe a ballpark. Uh, so you'd be looking at two thousand one hundred and sixty six dollars monthly rent. So so I'd be dividing that two thousand one hundred and sixty six by the um the total seven hundred thousand is that what you're saying? Cor- yeah. Correct, and it's well below even half a percent uh, rent to value ratio. Yeah, yeah, so okay. as they say in California, no bueno, that ain't gonna work, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> so I mean, I already know Australia, Europe, many parts of the country ain't gonna work, and yeah, it's also compounded with the fact that in a lot of those countries, the lending is really horrible. The banks just don't lend. Yes. They, you know, you're not going to get a good loan to value. You're not going to get the cash flow. Just not going to work. And even in America, you know, like they're, you know, we don't invest in states like Hawaii, California, New York, Boston. A lot of times we're yeah. investing in more of these secondary markets like Texas, Alabama, Arizona, places like mm. that where the numbers make more sense. And the reason why we do that is. We don't play yeah. the game of buy low and pray and hope that the price goes up. It typically happens like that, but we don't want to base our portfolio on investing on that. What we want is the guarantee money coming in from tenant pays the mortgage or pays the rents, we pay our mortgage and we have excess at the end of the month, every single month, even in bad times. So this is kind of a recession proof type yeah. of way of investing. Yeah, that's so cool. It's really, it's really interesting. So, uh, I'd love to know: Do you have any favorite stories of your biggest wins on this journey, where it was a, a real, um, a real sort of breakthrough moment for you, where you invested in, and that's been a, a really big win so far? Anything that comes to mind? Any moments that have been sort of champagne sort of moments? Well, you know, not really any kind of like doom and gloom or Halloween horror stories types because, you know, the way we do it is pretty boring, right? <laughs> we just, it takes a while. There's not a get rich quick scheme. This is, you know, but like when you start to acquire more and more properties, it just kind of increases your portfolio. Um, I bought my first rental property in 2009. By 2015, you know, saving all my money from my day job, being pretty frugal back then, I was able to amass 11 rental properties. But, um, you know, like I, I think a couple of years ago, you know, we, we started to buy 300 units apartment complexes at that time. That was a big win, you know, to kind of really step up to that commercial scale. But, you know, it all started with that first rental property. That's the hardest one to get. And that's kind of where we kind of help a lot of people educate them, give them the confidence to be able to buy that first rental property. So what advice would you give to those who are, those people who are listening, um, who 
want to buy their first rental property, knowing that once again, this is something people can, you know, reach out to you and, and, and potentially work with you and, and your team to do that. But uh, what advice would you give about how to go on that first journey? Yeah, you know, a lot of it is numbers based. It's, we mentioned the 1% rental value ratio. Once you find something that, you know, hits green on there, you have to analyze the property a little bit more in detail. Um, people can go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash analyzer and download my free spreadsheet there. And it breaks down all the expenses, repairs, maintenance, taxes, insurance, all those little, you know, things you're going to have to pay for and make to make sure that you're going to still have a positive cash flow at the end of the month. Um, again, you know, that's, that's all for free on the website. And that's, that would be kind of the first step for people to kind of just do that exercise. You know, it's not rocket science, this type of stuff. It's just, you know, putting it into a spreadsheet and deducting all these very, um, very estimatable expenses that come up and then just going out there and buying it, quite frankly, and then just adding that to your portfolio. <laughs> What's involved in buying a property in another state uh, or another country for, um, you know, <laughs> it might sound like a silly question, but I've never done that before. And, and may, many listeners may not have either. What's sort of the process involved in, in doing something like that, Lane? Yeah, I mean, when you're buying a rental property, you know, you're, you're working with a local broker and you know, those local brokers, they get paid to complete the transaction. So you find a good one, you know, their job is to walk your walk you by the hand. <laughs> so it really should be pretty easy whether you're buying it in state or out of state. For some of the more, you know, foreign buyers, especially accredited investors, you know, that's kinda of why we buy these large apartment complexes. So because it has the economies of scale to bring in multiple investors and all they do is just they put in money and then we go out and we get the loan on their behalf. Um, in our personal names, um, that way, that way, the investor is even more passive and has even less things that they need to do. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that why that would be so popular. Uh, so let's talk about this. I guess the other side of it, which is running your own business, and I always love chatting with podcasters um, who have really learnt a lot about communication and knowing that our audience are leaders and uh, and some people will will hopefully you know reach out to you because what you do your core business is like what they really need uh, personally uh, for them right now but I'm interested to ask you about running your own business and and communicating Let, let's start with communication what have you learned about how to create a brand and and uh, build, I guess, a tribe and a following, which is something that you seem to do really well, Lane. Yeah, so, I mean, so we started the podcast in 2016. Nobody listened for the first couple of years, but probably around then, I think a lot of people started to gain traction. And I think the reason why it got popular is, you know, at the time, I was buying just little single-family homes myself. I wasn't buying the large apartment complexes back then. People just found it pretty useful because it was very raw and authentic. And it was definitely a follow my journey type of podcast, as it still is today, uh, even though I kind of you know do things that are more geared towards high net worth investors. Um, but, you know, I think that's that's the main thing is be authentic, be your own voice. I bet, you know, you hear it a lot. But then again, you see so many podcasts that are just kind of lame duck 
pretty flaccid in terms of like character and authenticity. You know, people want to hear the failures. Yeah, hundred percent. People want to hear uh, the failures. They want to hear the. They want the vulnerability, the authenticity, um, and uh, and and. Do you have any other advice around content? Are you still really feeling like podcasts is where it's at for you, or do you sort of um, across your other sort of channels have any advice for people and leaders who really want to expand their reach? You know, as of right now, what's working for you in terms of channels and, and how to communicate? Yeah, I mean, the podcast is really how we got here. Um, a lot of investors, uh, busy high net worth people, you know, they drive to work that they don't like in their cars. And when they're at home, they're doing chores, washing the dishes. So the podcast really lines up to being that. Um, although, you know, video is harder to create. It, it offers an extra layer of authenticity that you don't get, right? You can see all the facial expressions. That is something yeah. that we're kind of, you know, starting out and building out at the moment. Um, my, we call it the Rich Uncle channel, or you, you, know, you just search simple passive cash flow on YouTube. You know, that's something that we're also growing it up, but it's for a different audience. Our, our, accredited investor, more sophisticated investor is on our podcast platform, but the Rich Uncle channel on the YouTube platform is geared towards more of the younger people, you know, the people in their teens or early 20s or, you know, those guys in their yeah. 30s or 40s that st are still getting started financially. It doesn't matter how old you are, I guess, but it's just more where you are in terms of the network building journey. You know, it's just called the guys under a million dollars network. Um, I think they tend to watch a little more YouTube, you know, for <laughs> good or bad, a um, <laughs> little shorter extension span. And that's just how we're kind of gearing up more of that, that channel. And yeah, as a, you know, marketer, yeah. you, know, you kind of just try everything and see what works. It's yeah, it's so true. It's funny. You mentioned that about podcasts. One, one stat I heard, uh, I think it might've been on the Tim Ferriss show. He did, he did a whole episode about podcasting where someone sort of interviewed him about his podcast. And I think it was there where he talked about this stat of, um, you know, people who listen to podcasts are 43% more likely to earn over $200,000. And so for anyone who has a target demographic who are going to be higher net worth, I think podcasts are just on that one stat alone, um, which for me is, you know, I, I know that there'd be a lot of people listening. You know, I have a joke with that with some friends who aren't at that point and they say, well, um, you know, I need to start, I need to listen to more podcasts because it's going to help me increase my net worth. And I think that's kind of true as well. But if you're looking f to create content and you have a target market who are likely to have higher net worth, I can't, I haven't really seen a better channel than podcasts um, for so many of the reasons you've mentioned, Lane. Right. I mean, on the one hand, you you know you have to have a book of content, right? I mean, it's it's sort of today's mm. modern business card. Um, I just released a book recently that hit Amazon bestseller, and you know that's just another avatar type that you're trying to hit. Um, yeah, you you, know, you never know. You never know what. I mean, I just thinking for myself, and maybe I'm not my ideal client. Maybe I am, but you know, I I I listen. To podcasts, I don't have a day job anymore, so I don't really listen to too many podcasts. 
but I do enjoy myself a, a YouTube video here or there. Um, so they're just all like very, it's all content marketing at the end of the day. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's such good advice. Well, I've got a bunch of Leadership Express questions to ask you, which I've been really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on these. Are you ready? Yeah, here we go. Okay, firstly, what's a book that you've gifted to other people? Well, you know, when people ask about real estate investing, I always try to tell people, go out and just go buy a property. It's really not rocket science. It's not that hard. You know, download the free analyzer that we have and get started. Um, but you know, some you know people always are like, "Well, I'm putting so much money down on this. I probably should read a book." I'm like, all right, well, check out the Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. It's a, yeah. I think it's a great read in terms of knowing the high level of you know what what markets to invest, for example, or you know some mm. of the little nuances. The rest you're going to learn by just doing. But you know, I would say read that book, but try not to. Too many people read books and like don't think. They don't do things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that approach. Actually it's really refreshing because I it's you'd expect chatting with you about something like buying a rental property, it would be like, Whoa, well, here's the five year, you know, process to really line up all your ducks in a row. But I like your approach, which is, you know, why don't you just go out and do it? And um I uh, you know, and that's the best way to I mean, get most, started, and that's where you're gonna. Most learn of the my most. clients are are engineers. I know very well the the term analysis paralysis start was created by an engineer, labeled his own thing, and if people, <laughs> what people don't realize is, you know, there's a great uh, framework for learning things and doing things, which is the seventy twenty seventy twenty ten rule, which states that. You know, 10%, the smallest part, is like your academic part. This is your books, your podcasts. Next is the 20%, which is the getting around people, you know, learning from other people, getting advice from others. But 70% of it is doing it. All too often, people throw this, this framework upside down. And they spend 70% of the time reading podcasts, all this stuff. <laughs> and they never do anything. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. I like that. No, that's that's great advice. Um, so, and just a reminder of what, uh, where can people find your book? I'll ask you this again later, but just for those who might have heard you mention it before, what's the, what's the name of your book again for people who, who really yeah, but, want to get their hands on that? Yeah, they can check it on Amazon, uh, The Journey to Simple Passive Cash Flow. Brilliant. Any, uh, now... Um, your podcast, uh, simplepassivecashflow.com, uh, but uh, is is a is a great one for people to check out. Are there any other podcasts that you're really loving right now on any topics? Um, any other books you're reading or YouTube channels you're watching right now? You know, I I spent you know I've been listening to podcasts for over a decade. Um, I actually stopped listening to podcasts a lot several years ago because. I started to realize, like, you know, it's just, there's a lot of noise in there. It's kind of like how Clubhouse was when it was kind of popular, right? It's just uncurated stuff. I'm trying to get back to the basics these days, read more books, right? Because a book is something, you know, a book might take you four or six hours to go through, but that four to six hours is something an, an author spent 
a heck of a lot of time going over multiple, multiple times, multiple research, where I just don't feel like podcasts are really, they go through that preparation cur curated status these days. So I, I kind of look for, you know, if I'm looking to be entertained, then I'll listen to a podcast. But if I'm really looking to learn about a new subject or a new concept, I'm going to pick up a book that has, you know, pretty good ratings, referrals often. Yeah, I like that thinking. Any, any books that you've, uh, you're reading at the moment that you've read recently that have blown your mind? Um, not really. You know, I, I, I like to read books and kind of just use it as a tool to kind of incite new changes in my business or topics to discuss on my podcast or things to discuss with my team. Um, you know, the, the one book I'm reading now is, you know, the three things that a uh, CEO should do. I don't necessarily think it's a great book. I don't think it's that great, but you know, it's got, gotten me to think about a couple of things, the way I do things. Yeah. Um, what's a commonly held belief in investing real estate that you passionately disagree with? Too many people have this idea where they're trying to pay off their properties. Um, which is completely opposite of the way the wealthy play things. What we want to do is use good debt to get our money working best for us. Right? When you when you have a paid off property, not only are you a sitting duck in terms of liability because everybody knows where your money is, which, but you know your your money's not working for you; it's sitting dead there. So what smart, sophisticated investors do is you know once they have maybe. 20 to 30% of equity into a property, they're already looking at ways to get that equity out to put it somewhere else to buy more assets or maybe sell it into a larger property via an exchange or getting a refinance or a HELOC on the property. You don't want to yep. pay off your properties despite what mom and dad told you. And you know this very simple thing is, you know, is kind of repeated again and again and this yeah. is what countries do this mm. is what governments do they use debt to go out there and purchase more other passive income generators or pigs for short and mm -hmm. you know we use that to pay less taxes because you know here in america we can use the depreciation from real estate assets to pay little to no taxes uh that's so interesting i mean it makes sense when you explain it that way but it is um it's a built-in thing where you're going oh, okay well if i'm going to get into this then goal number one get rid of my debt and actually you're saying well if you look at how the wealthy do it even countries you know where the most wealth is you know these governments is actually to use good debt to to create um and and gain more pigs the the passive income what 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 did that stand for again passive income passive generators. income generators right ah that's brilliant um and just a silly question, but how do you actually, how do you do that? Like, what does it actually look like in practice to have a good debt on a, on a property and then to take an increase in equity? Do you have to get it valued? Like, how does that work in the day-to-day -day of running a, um, an investment portfolio like you have? Yeah, so, you know, the, the property will appreciate over time and you'll, you're going to be continuing paying down your mortgage. But, you know, once you have 25, 30% of equity position there it, it's time to start shopping it around to different lending lenders who will allow you to pull money out of the asset and keep an, another loan on there 
with our commercial properties, we're able to do what's called supplemental loans on top of our existing loans, which kind of really makes things very cost effective for us to pull out money. But if it was just your own primary residence, you can do what's called a home equity line of credit, or you just get a new brand new refinance where you pull out equity out of it. it you know, like that's that's the yeah. number one sin of what most people do is they pay down all their property mm. and they're not making any money off of it. Really, what they should be doing is, you know, taking that one, using that one property, for example, and buying five with that, with 20% down payment. And those five properties uh, are, you have, now you have five tenants putting in their heart, sweat, and tears, paying down your mortgage for you and your debt service. And then not only yeah. are five properties going up with appreciation, but you have five properties depreciating too, which you can take off your taxes. And you have the cash mm -hmm. flow from all those five properties. And, you know, in five, 10 years, you split it again, you get 10 to 15 properties from that. Yeah. yeah. And this is why the rich get richer and you know, the poor just kind of follow the old mentality of pay off debt. Um, because what I realize is for a lot of people who make good salaries already, if they were to just flip the switch and invest in this fashion, the way then do these alternative financial ideas that the wealthy do, many people that I work with are able to get financially free in three to five years, very simply. And yeah, like hell, they're going to go wow. back to their day job, you know, right? <laughs> like who would do that? <laughs> so yeah, everybody needs to keep paying off their houses so that we can, you guys can keep powering society. Cause if not, all these smart people will just leave you. <laughs> <laughs> I can see why you call it simple. It, it is, uh, but that is, it is so simple, but it's funny how there's a, this is what I find with a lot of leadership principles. Actually, it's the same thing where what you actually need to do is, is, is simple. It's, it's hard. Like it's difficult to do because it requires a lot of discipline. Um, you are doing something that's counterintuitive or countercultural, but really often the great ideas. And if you go and look at a great leader or a great investor, what they're doing is, is very very simple right, right and and maybe you know what i think is always like the best way of implementing is that it's your peer group right what your peer group is mm. doing if they're up going out when they get a little bit of equity they're turning it into more properties and counterbalancing their portfolio find more cash flow diversifying again you know and then you know doing other strategies with their taxes and and we didn't talk about infinite banking today, but that's another concept that the wealthy do. If you're kind of in that ethos of a lot of people doing that, it's second nature. But a lot of those things are very counterintuitive. Or what, I mean, my parents think I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. friends and family, they, <laughs> they think this stuff that we do are absolutely crazy. And some people think that is actual like a sin to take money out of your home and not pay it down. They think that, or, or to take money out, of, remember when I took money out of my mm. 401k, I thought that I was being naughty. You're not supposed to do yeah. that, right? <laughs> but yet I uh. see these very high net worth, sophisticated people doing it, and I got confused and kind of, I, I did it myself and it made logical sense, but it did it, you know, it took a few years till I felt comfortable doing it, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. So what I, I have to ask you this because it popped into my head and I know a lot of people listening would, would think this. You've mentioned one thing that the wealthy, or you mentioned a couple of things the wealthy do. One of them is to use leverage good debt. Don't necessarily try to pay it off, but actually leverage it to find more passive income generators. What are what are the other things that you see now that you've had more experience working with and and watching high net worth individuals with how they do it? What are, what are some other things that you see as patterns of how the wealthy... Um, invest and treat money they, they get out of the retail investment markets the retail investment markets are made for the average joe to invest their money unfortunately that's when average joe gets screwed because those are the investments that have the highest fees and highest hidden fees that they, they're just unaware of so this is why the sophisticated investors go through their private networks to get into different either direct rental properties that they own themselves or private placements and syndications where they know the syndicator personally. The idea is to cut out all these little unnecessary middlemen. And that's been a big frustration of mine. It's it's not that, you know, the underlying, you know, like REITs, for example. REITs invest in real estate. I'm all for that. But what I'm not okay with is REITs have gazillion middlemen in these things. It, sure, you're investing in real estate, but it's all like the hidden fees that I don't, I'm not okay with. And those hidden fees are the things that are essentially robbing people's hard work and energy from having good retirements. You get rid of all that middleman and you can typically get like two times as much returns with less risk. But you got to get off the beaten path. You have to start, you have to you know, grow your own network mm. of other people that are also doing this type of stuff. If not, you're just going to go yeah. and buy stuff retail. Absolutely. No, that's that's a great thought. Uh, what what about a recent leadership lesson that you've learned for the first time or been reminded of? Um, you know, so, so we work with a lot of our clients to you know create up succession plans, and you know, it's pretty simple for them to get financially free. Typically, five, ten years or less. So we we're big on teaching people to set up their value system now. And it's no different when you have a business. Right? You have to, uh, I, I would urge everybody to think of at least a few to maybe seven values that are very important to you. And, and it might stem from things that upset you in this world. Right? That might be a value. Like, you know, maybe one of my values is loyalty and you know, not to be all cheap. There's a lot of people who are very cheap out there and think for themselves. Um, so our values are being generous and you know, not being petty and, and act with honor. Do what's right, even though it may cost you a few dollars at the end of the day. Um, and yeah. then you, know, you explain that to your employees and you kind of stick to those, those values. And you teach them that obviously we're not going to be watching over your shoulder every little decision you do. But if you emulate in good spirit these values, you know, if there is ever any issue, you know, we'll back you on. Yeah, that's great, Lane. And I, I think that's so important and it's uh, to understand and articulate your personal values and then to, to live them out. That's uh, that's great advice. A movie or TV show that really impacted you? Uh, I recently saw the movie Old, the, that movie where people get really old really fast. And I, just, I think it just reiterates that there's real... You never know when 
this time on Earth is going away, and potentially, if we, the way you look at it, we're just in a waiting room, waiting to go on the next journey. Um, all this money, you, know, you can't take it in the next life with you. And yeah, you never know when your day is last, yet you're trying to invest for forever. And those two are just contradictory, but you have to balance the two. I've had a lot of investors come through uh, my network where somebody has died in their family or they've passed away. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's sad when they work so hard to build this portfolio. They, they didn't delay gratify for many years, yet they never really enjoy what they, what they created. Yeah, that's, um, mm, it's a, it's a good thought and a good recommendation old. Okay. Last question. If you could only give one piece of, uh, let's go with, um, investment advice. Cause I've really loved the angle of today, which I think, uh, will be helpful for a lot of leaders listening. If you could only give one piece of investment advice to a, a young leader early in their career, 25, um, who might be listening, what would you say to them? Um, I'll, I'll do another paradigm. I mean, it, I think the way traditional investing is teaching people these days is you, know, you want to be investing for the future and now's the time to be a little more riskier. I think the complete opposite, you know, the way I kind of prime my group is, you know, you want to be investing for cash flow first, because once you have cash flow, you replace a portion of your expenses, half of your expenses, all your expenses, you start to have choices at that point. And especially if you're a young entrepreneur, you can replace your expenses. Now you're making different choices based on a different set of values and motivations. You're not worried about putting food on the table. You're making the right decisions because it's the right thing to do from a value standpoint and the right thing for the long term of and the longevity of the business, which is a leading creator thing. So Instead of investing in all these cockamamie venture capital things that can go from zero to a gazillion and zero, you know, oftentimes the cash flow play is you know, investing in rental properties where you know what the profit and loss statement is going to be at the end of the month for, with high confidence. And if not, there's always next month, right? <laughs> you get on the next month, go around. <laughs> and you slowly build and chip away your portfolio. Investing that way is very capital intensive. But it, mm. over time, it, it kind of grows and it ponds and it grows and it grows and it grows. And I think it creates a portfolio that mm. is very bulletproof. Um, yeah. And it's going to take a few years, though, to do that. This is not a get rich <laughs> quick thing. No, no. No, I love that. I love your approach. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of people taking notes furiously, listening back to this and. and, and um, I, I hope it's not asking for trade secrets, but if, if people are interested in, in starting, are there any states right now that you're recommending that people look at? Any places that uh, for a starting point that people you know initially start dipping their toe in the water and start having a look at um, properties because you've, you've seen some, um, unlike where I live, where it's <laughs> the, the uh, percentages don't add up, where you see actually there's some great opportunities there. Yeah, I mean, as far as countries, you know, America just beats them all. In terms of rental properties um, because of the lending sure. environment and the population growth right america has an increasing population unlike a lot of you know japan for example um, 
And here, you know, like a lot of our lending is subsidized by the United States government um, to get people to buy houses, which ultimately just um, benefit us, the landlords, the, the investors. But as far as certain states, you know, we stay out of the blue states, the democratic states, because typically the landlord laws are not on our side. It's more slight in terms of the tenant. So nice place to rent, that's for sure, but not where you want to be a landlord. So a lot of, we focus more on the red states and then we, we focus on emerging markets. We look where the population growth. And as you're seeing, this ain't rocket science, right? Where the people are moving towards and the population is growing is where we invest. So, you know, that's why we kind of stick to a lot of places in the Sunbelt states, Southern parts of the country from Arizona, Texas, Alabama, you know, down there, typically the growth, more growth red states down there. Yeah, nothing, you know, nothing that anybody can't emulate. That's that's awesome. This is great. And uh, next question, which I know a lot of people will be waiting for again. So, where can people find you? How can people start working with you? Uh, there might be some high net worth individuals listening, going, "Ah, oh, finally found someone that I can just, um, you know, get a get a hold of and and really like the way you work and your values and might want to work with you or just start listening to your content." So, what are the different ways people can connect with you, Lane? Yeah, so people, you know, podcast listeners, I'm guessing they can go to Simple Passive Cashflow Passive Real Estate Investing on iTunes and Google Play. Check out, take a look at all our uh, free guides at simplepassivecashflow.com. Um, you know, like I said, if you're looking to buy your own rental property, getting started there, check out the analog, the free analyzer. Uh, but if you know you're already, you know, a higher net worth investor and you don't want to deal with little rental properties, um, which most investors graduate towards. Um, you know, those are what syndications and private placements, they can learn more about that on the website also. Awesome. Yeah, great. Uh, well, I want to thank our listeners. It's been a bit of a different episode today, but this is what I love about leadership conversations, a little bit of entrepreneurship, a lot about investing. And I really believe today will have helped a lot of leaders um, in a different way than, than what we normally do, which is helping you to think about how you invest. And I think that's a, that's a, uh, you know, a great, uh, great thing. I've certainly loved today. It's been, been so much fun. Uh, don't forget for our listeners, I also have the John O'White leadership podcast and leadership question of the day, which is content to help you grow as a leader. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to Lane. Um, you have, as I said, one thing that really strikes me from today is that it's simple. And uh, simple passive cash flow. I think uh, I understand why you call it that now. Um, very clearly, it is very simple, but it's it's really profound. And uh, you've definitely definitely challenged me in how I think about investing and about money. Uh, and I I love that. So I just want to thank you for for coming on and and for having such a great conversation, Lane. It's been a joy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Aloha. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. 
We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57 page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage consultclarity.org right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders. And you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I, I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and, and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. 95% uh, of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. 
and I stand by that. It's uh, you have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it, and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.